Hello and welcome to Beyond Beckdale, the podcast about film and feminism. I am your host, Contrera, and we have been away for quite some time, so I'm going to go straight into it. I am joined by Nick. Hello there. Uh, how are you? I'm doing very well, thank you very much. Have you watched anything interesting recently? New films, old films? Anything. Oh, I watched... I'm going to sip my tea while you tell well, me. Well, I only ever watch old films these days. Um, Except uh, for the subject of this podcast. Uh, yeah. Uh, watched a couple of old Otto Preminger films. Um, a film called The Cardinal and another one called... Uh, what was it called? In Harm's Way which is done just after The Cardinal. One of them's about war, and one of them's about the church. Watch those I wonder two. which one's which. Yeah, you wonder which one's which. <laughs> <laughs> and you enjoyed both of these films? Yeah. Um, I don't think... Not, they didn't blow my mind, either of them. I think they're, they're quite long. I think, I think they were both three hours long, so you, you do have to commit a little bit. I know, I know, that's what I thought. That's three hours of life and not getting back. Six hours. But you like them both, so that's okay. The thing is, you don't know until you watch them. So you've got to give it a go, I suppose. I think that segues quite nicely into what we're talking about today, which is a subject which I think lends... Like war and religion? I don't no. Know what talking about. <laughs> no. If you'd have let me finish, <laughs> uh, about films that are... Or, and TV programmes that are quite lengthy. Yeah. And yeah. may need to be yeah. in order to tell their stories. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, I invited you on because I thought this was a sh- subject you were very happy uh, to talk about. Yeah, the length of films. No, the sci-fi well, content. I like talking sci-fi. And, I'm, and actually, to be fair, I will watch. I will commit. I will commit to a very long sci-fi. I've got no problem with that. Be it a series or a, a, a film, actually. Because you think in sci-fi stories. Well, I just like them. I mean, like they're, 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 it's just because you like the genre. Just, yeah, it's a genre that I enjoy. So for me, a three-hour sci-fi isn't really going to be particularly taxing. Okay, uh, I think I agree. But to be honest, I don't mind if something's longer if I like it. If I don't, yeah. although some things work quite well as thirty-minute stories, for example, you're always clamouring for more. I think the episodes of only murders in the building aren't too long. I'm not sure they're all the same length, but I always remember thinking, oh, it's over. Particularly maybe the early episodes. Probably 30 minutes. Which, yeah, I think maybe the last episode I watched, it was slightly longer. But mm. that's a show that um, works perfectly. Maybe, a, you know, whatever you'd call it, a light comedy drama. That work, works better at 30 minutes. But sci-fi programmes, particularly because they have to do a lot more explanatory work than other genres need to be longer perhaps well yeah I'm not actually sure I mean 20 to 30 minutes which would be your average slot for a 30 minute programme it lends itself to maybe sitcoms things like that but yeah if you're going to get serious with a drama or something probably not it needs to be a bit longer my first question on this episode is Do you think we're entering a new golden age of sci-fi content? I hasten to use the word content, by the way, because I was on Twitter the other day, as I always am, and someone was complaining that we shouldn't use that word for artistic endeavours. But I find it quite hard to say film and television programmes. I don't know, as someone who works for a 
for a broadcaster. Yeah. Um, the word content is ubiquitous. So, I mean, no one ever says, you know, that piece of art that we put on TV last night, they got a lot of uh, money for us through ads. But uh, mm-hmm. would you, can you put film and TV programs together in one word? Content's the only one I can think yeah, of. Yeah, you could. I mean, I personally would. Just because I have, just because I'm old-fashioned, I, I I always think film is a little bit more synonymous with art than TV, which I find a bit. But, but that's that that may not be true these days. I think I'm being a bit harsh. That wasn't my question. My question was uh, yeah. if I'm trying to yeah. explain something that's in film and TV programs, mm. is there a one word? Yeah. Well, what's wrong with content? That this person said that it was removing the artistic. I don't know. Audiovisual material. Yeah. I don't. I don't know. God. <laughs> wow, I've derailed us yeah. already. Anyway, back to <laughs> golden age. Yeah, golden age. Um, well, we're entering an age. <laughs> golden? Don't know. Really. Silver, bronze, maybe. Yeah, I um, suppose it depends really on whether you think golden means good, which I, I think we did, or whether golden means lots of things to choose. Well, from. what what you've got is you've got. Two new streaming services in Apple and Disney and what two existing ones in Netflix and Amazon. Um, yeah, plus... New, plus, newer. Yeah, older. plus, you know, the film studios all now vying for um, original content. And so... What gets you? What you know? What gets you viewers? Ten, sci-fi is a good thing to get you viewers. It generally does do that, but you have to prepare to put the money in. So you actually think there has been enough sci-fi content around because you have Star Trek and Picard and Discovery, and you also have um, the Mandalorian, I suppose, Star Wars extended universe, and you have the Expanse and shows like that. I don't think that's one that you watch. But this feels like, I suppose, my issue is more marquee tentpole drama is now sticking that tentpole into planetary. Well, it's it's also to do with that you can create universes. I mean, it's no no coincidence, any of this. Disney Mm. launch a streaming service. One of the first things they're thinking is what IP do we own that we can can utilise and Mm. create exclusive content? And... Star Wars and Marvel are just absolutely, they're right there pick, they're there for the taking, aren't they? And that's what I mean by having more, you know, the, the entry of Disney into that market is probably giving rise to more programs. And Apple have got to compete, so they're going to do the same as well. Yeah. Um, as far as film studios are, are concerned, um, tricky one. Um, because I think, I think the Marvel universe kind of sapped everything for the last 10 years. I, th- I think everyone wanted a superhero film. So it was either Marvel or it was DC or it was something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the, 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 the sort of market for hard science fiction wasn't really there. But I think with the ending of oh, is it the ending of the Marvel Universe, it's not really ended, but it, it, in my opinion phase it has. Phase three. I thought it was I mean, the end of phase it, four, it, but apparently it's the end of phase well, three. Do, do you know what? I just think... You know, it ended for me with Endgame, uh, and they can yeah, con- that's, that's and, the and they could continue to make Spider-Man mm-hmm. films if they like, but it's just not going to have the same impact. And to me, that was that was the end. Um, it was also twenty-three films. It feels a bit it. jumpy of Sharky, if I'm honest. Um, these films. What, what? Oh, the ones the post post Endgame ones. Yeah, yeah. Plus, they've also rested Star Wars, at least as far as films are concerned. Um, probably a wise decision, I think. Um, I'm sure they'll be back with it. Well, the book of Boba Fett's coming out. Yeah. 
Um, as a film or as a TV series, TV series yeah, that's the Disney thing. Plus. See, that's not to say that Disney aren't going to be making, utilizing that universe they have, in but TV. Have pivoted to TV. Yeah, exactly. Which yeah. you would, because you just launched a streaming service oh. globally. So why wouldn't you do that? Um, but it does make me think that the market for film is slightly different now. I'm, I'm not sure that um, I. I'm, I'm sure everyone's looking for a big tentpole franchise, big tentpole sci-fi franchise, but I'm not sure there's too many out there that haven't been bought up and been made into TV programmes. Yet again, Nick, we can segue quite nicely uh-huh. into the first part of this conversation then, which is maybe a new franchise is beginning oh. right now, and that is called June. Will you protect our son? Didn't you say you were a fighter? Jessica, you've been training him in the way. Do you see so little hope? A path has been laid. Let's hope he doesn't squander it. June. Will they all be called June? Well, it's called June Part One, the film. Yeah, I think June will be called June Part. First film. Second will be called June, probably Part Two. Yes. If I had to guess. Would they then say Part Three? It's not exactly very interesting. Um, Right, so at this point, I should say we should have a conversation that's non. Spoilery. Are mm. you able to do that? Because I need you to help explain June without spoiling too I much. I will try. I will so try. So I've invited Nick on the podcast because he has read the first book written first, by Frank first Herbert. Two, actually. Okay. First two. First two books written by Frank Herbert, who has written how many? I, okay, uh, you're testing me now. Yeah. Um, I think, I think, don't quote me here, but I'm I think, quoting you I, think he, I think he wrote the first three and I think two more were written subsequent by other authors, I suspect. Non-Herberts. Non-Herberts. <laughs> um, possibly his son. I don't remember. I honestly... So, Herbert so, Junior. Yes, I don't know. But um, certainly he wrote the first three, which I think were called Dune, Dune Messiah and God Emperor of Dune. Why did you only read one and two? I don't know. Um, I was only young when I read them. I was only about 12, 13 when I, when I, when I read them. Why did you decide to read them when you were Well, because I liked David Lynch's film, that's why. So you saw that when you were young? Yeah. And that, and you, oh, this is fascinating. So you watched a film and then thought, I'm going to read the book. Yeah. I very rarely do that. I will watch a film after I've written yeah. the book. After I've written, after I've written, the book. <laughs> yeah, after I've written after the book. <laughs> <laughs> yes, just call me J.K. Rowling. Um, after I've read the book, because often what happens is a book comes to me first that I hear about because it's often an adaptation in that way. But I suppose if you're young, it's different because you probably don't have the access. I did it with a few film, with a few films because my one of my other favourite films of the era at that mm. time was two thousand and one. So I also sci-fi, also sci-fi, Arthur C. Clarke. Um, so I bought, I, I read 2001, but then there's three sequels. I want to say uh, 2010, which was made into a film in the 80s. Yes, 2006. With Roy Scheider. Um, yeah, 2061, which was never made into a film, and which I. So, I think it has been. I think it's on Amazon. Really? It's just, yeah, I've really? definitely seen, or maybe a TV show. I don't. I've definitely seen Twenty Sixty One mentioned on. I, a, I can't you believe. Might like I just can't it. believe I've slept walk through life and not noticed what, that. I'm not talking about the quality. I'm talking about um, the, the existence. Yeah. When I was a kid, I was convinced. I remember asking my dad. Um, so I've read Two Thousand Sixty One. It's really good. They're going to make it into a film, aren't they? And Dad was like, uh, "Yeah, sure, sure, he was." Uh, yeah. You didn't say that about 2010? Um, well, they would have been made into a film. Oh, I'm still not... when you were young? Yeah, it was made, okay. released in mid-80s, early mid-80s. Oh, I forget how early 2001. When was yeah. 2001? Late 1960. 60, 68. Uh, 68. Yeah. 
So to get on topic for the podcast, do you think there were any girls of your acquaintance reading June novels? No. I'm going to say that right now. No. And when we get to the second part of this podcast, which also involves you reading novels, I'm not entirely sure. And of course, we cannot possibly speak for every single girl, boy, and also divide gender lines like that. However, every time I've spoken to somebody about June, if it's a girl, they don't know what it is, or or only tangentially, unless they're deeply into sci-fi. But if it's a boy, if it's a, a male, then there's a chance that even if they haven't necessarily read it themselves, they seem to know about it. And obviously, I talk to a lot of people who work in film and TV, so I suppose that, that I'm getting a skewed idea mm. anyway. But a lot of these people might be Lynch fans, yeah. and so they will have seen the film or hate the film or love the film. It's 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 very culty, isn't it? And you said to me off mic that David Lynch has semi disowned. I think he has. I think he has. I think it it didn't really turn out the way he wanted it to. I think, I I think I'm right in saying the studio took control over it in the end, creative control, which usually causes a director to disown it at some Mm -hmm. point. Um, uh, There's there's a, I can't remember what the name is, but there's there's a name that directors use when they don't want their names associated with the film and it would be directed by so-and-so. IP Freely. Uh, Yeah, something like that. And that's the name means it's a, it's a Joe Bloggs type name ah fascinating yeah so although his name is on the film so I don't quite know where that anyway what I want to do with this episode of the podcast because I am interested in sci-fi and I was interested at a young age and I was reading quite a lot when I was 12 what kind of things were you reading that's that's a very good point I was probably reading more Mills and Boone romances they're not sci-fi so that's what I'm saying I'm saying gender lines were drawn at a young age I definitely read some choose your own adventure books and some of those were set in Mm -hmm. space I also read we had a conversation once about a like a D&D type novel which had a scary dragon on the front of it. Well, there's the uh, fighting fantasy Fighting fantasy novel. Which is so similar to Choose was, Your Own Adventure, by yeah. the way. Yeah, so I think I got onto those and I read a couple of those, but they actually scared me. So I had a very weird time as a child where I'd want to read these things, which were perhaps, I'd say, more fantasy than sci-fi, but then I'd read them and I'd have too many nightmares. I have too much of an overactive imagination. Wow. So there was definitely a part of me that had nothing to do with my, you know, gendered upbringing, which was interested in these things. But I also, um, I lived primarily with my mum and she she read, but she wasn't reading sci-fi novels. And you happened to mention that your dad mm. was someone you went to and he obviously, he reads an awful lot and he likes sci-fi. So I wonder if the influence of a parent or someone else reading i'd like to move to to the concept of hard sci-fi now actually because i was going to say reading hard sci-fi do you have a definition of hard sci-fi which is what people say june is well i don't know if i have a definition of it i just think it's it's when it it's when the world, uh, the science fiction world being created is, is very sort of densely layered with lots of thought take, gone into it about political structures and uh, history and all kinds of other, and geography and all kinds of other things. Um, and the result of that is a sort of very, very, or very densely packed kind of film or uh, densely packed sort of book that you've really got to sort of uh, pay attention to. You've almost got to learn that the universe that it's in. Yeah, but how does that differ 
from lighter sci-fi. Oh, well, I don't think there's a precise definition, but if you were being honest... I'm holding you, might, you to that. Yeah. Well, you might... I also think that they're dealing... I think hard sci-fi deals in very, very high concepts as well. Um, so 2001 would be a good example, I think, of, of a high a high sci-fi or hard sci-fi kind of film. Mm-hmm. Maybe, whereas if you look at the other end of the scale, something like Star Wars probably isn't. I'm not even sure I'd classify oh, Star good, Wars as, an, as a yeah. sci-fi because it, it, it just happens to be set in space, but the rest of it is all kind of... You're <laughs> right. There's a, that's an excellent um, way to look at it because you have two things that people watch or read... In the case of Star Wars, what Star Wars watch first, obviously, because that came from George Lucas's imagination. And one of them says, we're going to do this in parsecs and then decides to say that parsec, because parsecs are real... Yeah, it's a unit, measurement. unit of distance. But George Lucas wasn't using it. He just, he just probably using it as a measurement of time. Yeah, he just heard he just heard the word sec and thought, well, it must be a unit of time. Yeah, therefore. which I, I wouldn't blame him. I might think that. Yeah, and, and and people say you know space opera and things like that, and there's a dramatic element, whereas it doesn't really get into the nitty gritty of, for example, time travel mechanics or other space tech. Mm. So we'll get back to June then. We have both seen the film Dune, which is out in the UK on October 21st, I believe. Mm-hmm. And we went to an IMAX screening. And the first thing you see on screen is part one. And this is when I might reveal my first semi-spoiler, which is when you see that at the start of a film, I think you should take everything you see with a pinch of salt because... When you're on part one, you're never going to re- resolve the entire story in one movie. And this movie was two and a half hours. Two and a half hours. hours. Yeah. 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 So pretty long, but not as long as, for example, Endgame, yeah. which was three yeah. hours. Yeah. Um, and I really liked it. I had done some research. I knew a bit. I'd obviously spoken to people like you about the books. I'd read some other reviews from the States and I read up on it because I'm one of these people who likes to know those things and I think sci-fi lends itself to people who want to dive deep into a world anyway yeah but let's say the average cinema goer wants to have a good time at the cinema do you think June was a good time (laughs) for the average cinema goer for you and for the average cinema goer because I I presume that part of any issues you may have are because of how much you know yeah, about well, the I think, story. Look, I, I think an average person going in to see this film is, is going to find it hard work. It doesn't mean they won't necessarily find it enjoyable, but I, I would say two things. I think you're going to have to be interested in, in sci-fi in, in some capacity to start with. Okay, so I want to stop you there. So, our golden age of sci-fi, mm-hmm. you don't think it's going to get new converts? Um well, if we're asking people to watch Dune and... Well, well, here's the thing. These things take time, okay? So if Dune turns out to be... If it turns out to be a sequence of films, three or four films, that then then ultimately it could well garner a huge audience that, mm-hmm. that, that get more and more interested as time goes on. But it takes time to develop it. Um, if it's... On the other hand, if you're looking to sort of gauge your results on people going to see this one film, I think there's going to be a lot of puzzled people coming yeah. out of it. But that's that's just the way it goes. You always have to start off a franchise like that. It's just, it's just complicated. I don't think when I came out, knowing less than you do, I was puzzled. 
But then subsequent conversations we've had where you've mentioned things that weren't weren't adequately mentioned. And you suddenly me became think, puzzled. Yes. I was well, maybe more I thought one thing and actually there's more yeah. to it. But who's to say that what Frank Herbert wrote or what was in David Lynch's film needs to be replicated? It doesn't. Here. It doesn't. Every time a filmmaker m- makes a film even based on original uh, existing IP, like Denis Villeneuve has done here, they're allowed to amend the story to make it fit the tale they want to tell. Well, I, I mean, first thing I'd say is is. Um, it's already been made into a film. That film, David Lynch's film, um, it was it was a commercial and a critical failure at the time. It, it's since garnered something of a, a cult following, and for people like me who just always liked it, that's never going to make any difference. Twelve-year-old boys. Yeah, I mean, Villeneuve is well within his rights to say it's you know been what nearly forty years since that film was oh, made. Well, I'm, not, you know, I'm not saying there can't and, be and a remake. And he can go a different direction, mm. and then he can look at the original and say, well, there are bits of it I thought were good, but then bits of it maybe I think were done. And, and he can take it in a different direction, and he can learn from the mistakes of the original because it's not flawless by any stretch of the imagination. In fact, I'd call it a flawed masterpiece. The original, <laughs> I mean, it's the definition of it. Okay, so the so the new film, I don't think we should go too much into the plot because I think it will eat into the podcast. Because I wrote a review of this. If anyone wants to read it, it's at liveforfilms.com. I will put it in the show notes where I realised that I spent half the review summarising the plot as I saw it <laughs> because I thought I need. That's, to and do that's that. only half of the book as well. Exactly. Yes. Uh, that and that was. Uh, partly for me and partly because I like to put summaries as part of my reviews but then when I realized it was like you know 250 300 words that's quite a lot I'd normally say I uh, my summaries are 100 words so I think that when you like as you said earlier when you're starting a new potential franchise you have to spend a lot of the initial part of the film putting in the legwork of exposition yes you do so June is about human-esque characters? I think they are humans. Yeah. In the far future? That 8,000 years in the future? In potentially another universe? Could be our universe? I think it's our universe. Um, See how I watch the film and uh, I still No, I think it is our universe. Yeah. Yeah. And um, it's mostly about Timothy Chalamet as Paul and his mum, Rebecca Ferguson, as Jessica and his dad... Oscar Isaac as Leto and they're the Atreides family and they have been asked to they they call the the planet a fiefdom which I enjoyed a planet called Arrakis which is a dust planet and they come from a green planet that looks kind of like earth and they have to they have to take over it and it has a very valuable commodity within the planet called spice which is actually called melange and that makes me laugh um that does a number of things that the film does not talk about, which yeah. is one of your criticisms. And then there's another family called the Harkonnen, led by uh, Stellan Skarsgård. Is that yeah, Harkonnen? It is. Is yeah, that? the That's Baron. how they pronounce it in the film, but you said Harkonnen. Was well, it, they, they, they kept calling it in the film Harkonnen. Oh, Harkonnen. Sorry, and and I, I always pronounced it Harkonnen. Harkonnen. But, yeah. you know, that's just, who knows? Only, only Frank Herbert really knows how that's pronounced. Yes, exactly. Is he British? Uh, no, he's American. He's American. Well, there you go. I'm going with Harkonnen then. Um, because I think that's how they they saw it written down. And basically, there there is various power grabs and various things that happen. There's some kind of space magic as well. And it's how Zendaya comes into the picture 
but it is very much a sci-fi film is it hard sci-fi well i don't know like look at harry potter that's not sci-fi that's what magical realism fantasy you still have to explain to harry via Hagrid in the first half of the film, what Hogwarts is, what magic is, what a muggle is, what Defence Against the Dark Arts is. Yeah, and I don't think... And you could say that that, that that's a lot of explanation, but I never see anyone complaining that that's difficult But would anybody? But would anybody say that the first Harry Potter film is the best Harry Potter film? No, but its success led to yeah, yeah. all the other ones and it ended the story ended yeah. you could theoretically have never made another harry potter film because it nicely ended he killed a troll mm. he were obviously there's a bit of the voldemort stuff but you know which is hinted at but there's a nice narrative arc to his first year at Hogwarts. Yeah. And I don't remember ever struggling, although I read all the books first, but I can't imagine anyway, because also it's a family film with Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd say a couple of things there. Firstly, yeah. it, this is only the first first half of Dune. So if you took the entirety of, of the, say, call it Dune Part 1, and Dune Part 2. And to push it in one film like um, David You, you probably could end yeah. it at that point if you wanted to. Yeah. Also, th- this was true of Harry Potter, and it'll probably be true of Dune if they end up making a lot of them. Um, it, they get better to a certain extent by that you don't need to ha- to go back over exposition. Exactly. So um, the, the audio, you, you go when you're making the film, you're, you're aware that, that the audience is is fully aware of the universe, or at least ninety percent of it. So you, you just keep introducing new things, and everyone knows what's going on. Yeah. It, get, it gets richer, I think, as time goes on. Yeah. Same was true of the MCU as well. It, it just takes time to, to sort of get there. Yeah, those early films are quite ho- are quite um, not bad. But not great. <laughs> yeah, uh, but they can all be watched in isolation. But I also think the film quality got better. Yeah, you work out what works and what doesn't, don't you? Um, that's the thing. And you can watch them all in isolation. So what did you think of this version of June? Um, it's heavy going. It's heavy going, um, I would say. Um, Please explain. Well... As you mentioned, the, the, the universe of June is one of... Is one of it's almost an invention from scratch. It's it, it's based, I mean, you would argue that it's based on the kind of, you know, feudalism that you'd have in Europe of various sort of houses and the dynastic struggles of those houses, mm-hmm. at least two of them. Um, uh, but you're having to sort of reinvent the entire politics of everything that's going on here. So how these, the, these houses have history, these people have history. Where does the spice come into it? Why are they mining this spice? What is it really? And so... It, and all of this is completely alien. It, it, it's it's something that you you're having to sort of pick it up as you're going along, and I think it, it's hard work as a result of that. Um, and, and the manner, it, it was always going to be difficult. The, the bottom line is you are dealing with pretty dense, unwieldy source material, so it, it, it's always. I mean, the book is quite hard, quite quite frankly. I I think I asked you if you enjoyed it. Um, well, okay, <laughs> but what I'm getting at, what I'm getting at here is yeah, is um, it's. I did, but then I've read the book. I don't know if... Okay, well, I haven't read the book. Um, I really enjoyed it. You really it. enjoyed it. Okay, I really okay, enjoyed okay. it. I thought it was brilliant. Did you did you find it hard to follow or, or not? Like I said, 
I actually think there were things I didn't know that you told me. But actually, no, I don't think I did find okay. it that hard to follow. Because to me, it was a good versus evil story, even though I'm not entirely sure that's fair, because I don't think everyone is good and is evil. But very much the Har- Harkonnen yeah. are put as bad guys. Yeah, you're right. And the actual yeah, as good guys. Yeah, definitely right. Yeah, definitely And I also that. think, because again, we will compare this to the subject we're going to talk about in the next part of the podcast... I think it was actually very straightforward. This is what's happening. This is a little bit about the past. Some strange things happen with some like witchiness and brain things. So there's definitely a kind of mind control, I would say space magic part of it. But there's also a very action oriented story, which I don't recall David Lynch's June being so action-oriented. Things happened. They were like set pieces, but the set pieces were people in a room talking about things. Mm. And there was definitely a lot of room talking in this, but there was an equal, if not more, amount of beautiful desert vistas, cool helicopters, cool armour and battle strategies and technology. It was very much aimed at an audience who had just come from seeing an MCU film. Yeah, I think I think at its heart, you sort of break it down. It's sort of um, uh, the, the the sort of the, the voyage of sort of deception and uh, and growth of of one particular character, Paul, and it's just about his sort of flow through life and how these these major major events that happen sort of affect him and, and where it sort of takes him, and so. From that perspective, it is actually quite simple. It's 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 just you you. I, I just think you're being asked to absorb a lot there um, I agree. As, as you're going along. And I think Timothy Chalamet is amazing. I he, he I've never really like I've never thought he's a bad actor. He's just never really been that exciting to me on screen, even though he has an awful lot of fans. I think and I thought he was really good. Yeah, I think he's really suited to that role. Yeah. It, it, it 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 sort of. Um, it's really, yeah, really fits him, doesn't it? Quite, it's quite good casting, I would say. And what I think that they, that Villeneuve did, which Lynch was a bit more hampered by the material, didn't do, was make Jessica such a central character. You would say the next lead, yeah. or the next build, yeah. is Rebecca Ferguson. Yeah. And she is quite famous. She's been in, obviously most famous for the Mission Impossible films, but also in Doctor Sleep, and she's been in other films. But I still wouldn't say she's quite a household name. Maybe, maybe even Chalamet isn't, but he certainly is to a younger, skewing female dynamic. And yeah. I would say maybe Oscar Isaac, maybe Jason Momoa, are people, are character, actors that people would recognise perhaps more. Josh but, Brolin. So, yeah, maybe, maybe. He's been in a, he's been in a lot as well, obviously, because he's Thanos. Um, but then he's not, purp- yeah. he's not purple with a big chin in this, so um, it's different. But I was pleasantly surprised by how this was partly a Rebecca Ferguson-led story. And mm. I don't remember that being the case in Lynch's June. I actually remember... what what The, the only problem is, is that Zendaya is, is just completely ruled out the story. She basically comes in the final quarter. 
She's obviously she. she I think Paul yeah. has dreams of her character Shani. Shani, yeah, yeah. Her name is has char- has dreams of her character Shani, and um, so you see flickers of her, but she doesn't do anything. She doesn't become a real person that he interacts with until the last quarter. It's, of the It's film. actually um, a sort of an ensemble kind of casting, but kind of concept yeah. really. It's actually. I mean, if you th- if you take an, a comparison, to say something like Game of Thrones, who would you you know if you had to pick one person, what who is Game of Thrones really about? It, no one in particular. You could probably pick central people. You could pick Jon Snow and Tyrion Lannister and people like that. But there's there's such a pantheon of people. It's hard to say. I would say if Dune is different, it is that it is kind of about Timothy Chalamet as Paul Atreides. Um, but but not just that. There are there are. It is a complete ensemble of characters that he has to sort of work through, so to speak. Going back to Game of Thrones, mm. that was a show that started off with all the male characters in power and slowly. But surely the female characters <laughs> bumped them off and mm. then it became kind of, by the end, much more about the female characters being in charge and, and certainly, you know, doing the um, most notable yeah. things. And one of the criticisms of harder sci-fi is that it tends to be written by men yeah. and all the characters yeah. tend to be male so uh, herbert uh, you know certainly invented jessica and made her very important i believe in the books because of how central she is in the film but i i watched june and i never thought oh there are too many male characters mm. which i thought i might because it's sci-fi. well it's it's essentially dynastic there are definitely more isn't male it characters. it's definitely yeah. yeah but the thing about dynasties is that they they have both men and women in them because um, you need a, a, you need a, 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 a or a, you know yeah. a, a matriarch or something like that there's always yeah. that element of things going yeah. on um How, did anything change was any character what about the um what were they called the character that was played by the woman who was the overseer on arrakis it was a black actress she had uh, was she well was she was she always a dr kynes yeah, she uh, always a female character no she's a man in no. the in the book and uh, and I and in Lynch. played by played by Max von Sydow in David Lynch's oh, version. Oh wow, that's yeah. the character. Mm. <laughs> and actually, not in it much, um, a little bit, um, but then you know, because this film yeah. was only dealing with half the amount yeah. of events. Okay, well that's really good to hear. So that w- there was at least one change mm-hmm. which made no difference. This is what yeah, I'm always fair aiming for. Constantly saying, all I want is if you have a character where their gender isn't important, why not make them a mm. woman? And and Villeneuve did, yeah. So that's good. Was there any others that you noticed? Not that I can think of. Um, sort of off. I'm not. I'm not sure to tell you the truth. No, I don't think so. Um, there are some. I mean, like obviously Jessica, but there's a, the shuttered mates as well. Is, the, 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 is that but, Charlotte Rampling's character? No, I think oh. isn't that. Uh, this is when you start using weird terms. That's, uh, the ben, <laughs> Benny Gesserit, isn't she? She's the Gaius Helen Mohim, I think. Uh, what? The ben, Benny Gesserit. I know a, who the Benny Gesserit are, but then you just start saying. She's like. The, she's the. <laughs> she's like a mother superior or whatever you want to call it. Played by Charlotte Rampling. Yes, I think so. The one under the veil. Yeah, I said that. Charlotte, yeah. Charlotte her name's yeah. Gaius Helen Right, Mohim. I was getting confused with her uh, character name. Right, yeah. yeah. So just to quickly say for the uninitiated, the Bene Gesserit are the space witches. That's all I'm willing to say. It's much more complicated than that. But they have special powers and they're all female. And I laughed out loud in the cinema when uh, the Charlotte Rampling's character, who is, as you said, the head of the Bene Gesserit, turns to Paul and was like, you were supposed to be a girl. Mm. And I laughed. So <laughs> I like little... Um, Things although, like although I don't think this is mentioned in the 
film. Maybe it is, I don't know. But th- their ultimate goal, this crossbreeding thing that they're, they're, they're ultimately doing, is to produce a boy. That, um, so take, a, take yeah, from that for whatever you will. He, they didn't think they'd done enough crossbreeding. Yeah, they didn't. Um, Which in itself is probably problematic. However, they're doing it to try and save the universe. They are. We don't know that from June the 5th. Yeah, they, they, yeah they, they, that, that is their stated goal. Well, I think they act a little bit in self-interest as well. Um, but what's interesting about that is you have this um, sisterhood um, of witches, if you want to call them that, <laughs> whose, whose ultimate goal is for, for the, the betterment of humanity by producing... Um, uh, a male version of themselves. Yeah, well, Frank Herbert, um, you've, yeah. he, he's, he's still <laughs> so a man. Man saves the day, as far as yeah. they're concerned. Um, yeah, but they are controlling. They are the controlling force behind the scenes, which I think is very representative of how men and women work. For example, in politics, mm. maybe not so much nowadays, but certainly back when Herbert was writing this, which was the fifties, sixties. Uh, I think it's in the sixties he wrote it. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, you had the wife and yeah. the perfect wife, because I do think this film is political too but I wouldn't want to put anyone off because I mean there are political machinations there's there's a lot of people whispering in corridors but mostly there's fighting well it's 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 and action it's it's classic sort of medieval feudalism isn't it with people you know you have courts and people backstabbing each other within the court and you have a king if you like or a duke and whoever yes. it is it's like that There's essentially an emperor in duke yeah who we it, never it, see. It, it's classic sort of yeah. medieval history really and what do you also think about the representation of uh, race and diversity in that sense because i felt like the the cast i suppose the key characters except for zendaya and the doctor doctor kind yeah were all white. I actually don't know. Is Jason Momoa Hawaiian? I don't actually know what his... And Oscar Isaac is uh, Latino, Hispanic of of some denomination. Chalamet's mm. half French. Rebecca Ferguson is, I want to say, Dutch. I don't think she's Swedish, Danish, <laughs> European. But I felt Cosmopolitan like... Cosmopolitan I felt like the Fremen, who are characters who... Um, the indigenous population. Yep. Javier Bardem. <laughs> yeah, Javier Bardem is in this yeah. film. I could, I'd forgotten. And he does this horrible thing where he spits and I hated that bit and then said that was a... It's a great... War, it's a great. water is so yeah. precious. If you spit, you've, you're trying to be nice to someone because you're getting it's going the, it's, it's the perfect sort of greeting. In, in, in a world where water is a highly prized commodity, yeah. spitting at someone's feet is, 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 you know, the best compliment you can, you can make, mm. you can pay to them. Mm. I didn't like that scene at all. <laughs> um, but I'm sure some spitting fetishists would like it. Um, uh, yeah, he's in it. So I said, but, but even then, he's he's not black. So I would say it is quite multicultural, but still maybe most of the most important characters are white. Yeah, I'd yeah. say so. Yeah. Well, then again, I suppose you can look at the Fremen as... Because when, the, when um, Paul meets all of the Fremen... They're all, I think they're, all, no, they're not all black, but I think majority non-white. Mm, yeah, I think so. Was And I don't think that was the case in, in David Lynch's film because Zendaya's character, Sharni, is played by Sean Young, very, very white, in David Lynch's film. I don't think, is there anybody who's... I'm not sure there was anyone non-white in David Lynch's Dune. But I'm not entirely sure Frank Herbert was writing it in that way. Villeneuve has very much leaned into... 
like it's different time and place isn't it this is the thing frank when frank herbert and they wrote it and when david lynch made it yeah it was not perceived as as some sort of racial bias just to cast everything as white whereas these days it would be so um it's just a different way of doing it that's all but it works perfectly because you kind of i suppose you you say each planet has a different type of person like we haven't even mentioned really what the harkonnen look like which is basically bald fat and ugly and incredibly pale uh yeah they're the opposite yeah, of yeah. <laughs> they are they're they are white man archetypal bad guys aren't they <laughs> archetypal bad guys that's where i think people will enjoy june because it really is kind of that basic in some areas beautiful scenery and visuals this gorgeous soundtrack that i really liked some of the music is quite hard this film suffers from the same issues that a lot of christopher nolan films suffer from which is we're trying to listen to the important words people are saying which we've never heard before because they're like you know definitions within this universe and instead you get some boom boom through well, that, it that, 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 I, I don't know if that was the imax like. well it could be but i i, th- I agree with you I, uh, it, it's not it's not that the, 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 the soundtrack is too loud necessarily. It's just that you've got to turn it down a little bit when people are talking, especially in a movie like this where every single word that comes out of someone's mouth is actually relevant or could be relevant. Yeah. Um, I, I, I was a bit sort of... I'm surprised they didn't sort of pick up on this during sort of post-production that some 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 sentences were uttered you, you literally can't hear because of the music. And this film does have some subtitles because people are speaking various different languages, but most of the time it's the English words that yeah. we wanted here because it yeah. is a, you know, 80% English language yeah. film. So is there anything else you want to say about this new June? My, my, my general... Okay, if I had to character... My, if I was reviewing it tomorrow, I would say it's it's a lot of exposition, which I would argue is necessary. Mm-hmm. Fine, no problem with that. But I also think it it it's a little bit too slow paced, um, particularly in the latter half. And I and I would say, considering it is two and a half hours mm-hmm. long, they needed to speed it up a little yeah. bit. It, it didn't. I, I keep asking myself, did it need to be that long? Did, could they have? Were they was Villeneuve just stretching things out a little bit here? And I think he possibly so he was. Get his yeah, and and <laughs> I just think mm, you know you probably could have could have gotten away with two hours here. It, it, the whole thing, I think, they're just speeding up. I, I could sense it with the audience getting a bit kind of like restless with uh, it. Only for me in the last thirty minutes, yeah. it raced by at the start, so I enjoyed that initial exposition, and then towards the end. I was like, I don't really know because there's a big battle scene, but it's not actually the denouement. So mm. there's then things afterwards. And this film is very strange in the way that it's epic moment, epic moment, epic moment. Mm. Yeah. But then it actually ends on something which is a little bit more yeah. commonplace. Well, here's the thing, right? I mean, I was, uh, I was saying this before, but that that I think, okay, don't absolutely quote me on this, but I think <laughs> in the David Lynch film. There's a moment where where Arrakis is attacked, okay? And yep. that occurs, I think, at about... I want to say about 45 minutes into the film. How long is the David Lynch film? I prob- I couldn't probably say- two hours. I'm probably just under, I would okay. have thought. Yeah, about two hours, maybe just under two hours. So you're saying uh, less than... Now, so over a third, now I, less than Now, I think in this film, that same scene probably occurs about an hour in, roughly. So not too far away. David Lynch managed to fit the rest of the entire book into the second half of his film, whereas Denis Villeneuve didn't even get halfway through. Now, I admit, David Lynch rushed his like mad, and that's one of the criticisms of that film. But then I also think that Villeneuve did the opposite and stretched it a bit too much. So I think he could have been a bit more concise with it. 
But are you looking forward to part two? Oh, watch it. I loved you. Yeah. So, so, so you don't really mind... You don't think this has hampered... Um, I think it did a pretty good job. I think it's a good re. I think it's a good sort of visual reinvention of 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 the of the June film. It, it's um, in people's minds. Um, I think visually in people's minds, the, Dave, the David Lynch one is the one that sticks. And I think this this is comparable. It, it's incredibly impressive visually. Um, and uh, yeah, it, it's just. It, I hope it's the start of something. There are three initial Frank Herbert books, plus I think a couple of others. But, you know, it, it remains to be seen because it is it, people have to be prepared to do a bit of work on this. They're asking a lot of their audience here. But no, I like that sort of thing. I would conclude in saying changing characters to have more female characters is one way to get the audience in. Making it more action oriented and more on the thigh than the sigh is helpful. It is beautiful. It looks and sounds great. And it has at least in Timothy Chalamet, a, a potential new Luke Skywalker-type hero. I hope that people will go and see Dune Part 1 because I think that this type of sci-fi film will not alienate an audience and will hopefully bring new people to sci-fi because it's much better than naysayers would say it isn't as dry and indecipherable as you might think. The vault isn't Anacreon or alien at all. It's got to be connected to Herod. How do you know that? Because the vision I saw when I blacked out, it was on Trantor in Harry's library with a boy holding a knife on me. What if it was a warning to stay away? What if Lewis is right? I'm an outlier, just like he says, barging around, knocking things over, screwing up Selden's plan. So, what if you are Selden's plan? The fate of one individual will always remain a mystery. Remember my promise, Warden! Raising your city to the ground. But the movements of masses, the rise and falls of cultures, causes, and worlds, these were answers Harry Selden had long since unriddled. And now for our next hard sci-fi watching project, Foundation. Mm. So at the same time as June coming to cinemas, Apple TV has also brought another literary sci-fi world <laughs> to the small screen in the form of a, I think, 10-part TV series on Apple TV. You had also, I'm guessing at around about the same time, or was it later? No, it was later, actually. Read Foundation. So how old were you when you read the Foundation books? And who, who were they by? Isaac Asimov. Isaac, Isaac Asimov, Who's yeah. very famous as a sci-fi writer. Mm. Also, books where I just thought, Isaac Asimov, no thanks. But there's no kissing. Um, there is some he wrote kissing. iRobot. He actually wrote the three laws of robotics. There you go. Um, thou. 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 <laughs> <laughs> they, they aren't I, commandments, they're laws. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, that's probably the only like laws <laughs> I know. Well, uh, uh, robots won't harm humans. Yeah. First directive, second directive. 
No, robots are to protect humans, but robots can't harm humans in order to protect humans. It, humans I think, are I think the best. it goes. I think it definitely that's the rule. I think it goes, it's something like <laughs> robots. A robot cannot harm a human. Is law yes. one? Law two is a, ro- a robot must protect its own life unless that conflicts with the first law. Ah, and then this I makes think, much more sense. and then there's a third one that I can't remember. Yeah. I, I don't remember what it is. But robots uh, and humans must have parties once a week. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, yeah, written by Isaac Asimov Foundation. Um, How many novels? The, there, was, there was three originally. Um, uh, found, when, when written? Right, so this is where it gets a bit weird. So the original book, which is just called Foundation, was written as a sequence of um, submissions by Asimov to, I think it was like Amazing Science Fiction Stories, the magazine in America. A magazine I wasn't buying. Yeah, uh, in, I think it's the 1940s. Bloody uh, hell. Yeah, and wow. so... And so he wrote, you know, he would write a short story, submit to the magazine, it gets published, and then mm-hmm. he'd wait a bit of time, a year would go by, and he'd, he'd do another short story. Hence, it's a sequence of, of uh, you know, isolated stories rather than any sort of anything that's necessarily continuous. Yes. But they are sort of interlinked into the same universe, so it's not completely separate. And eventually they got amalgamated into a book, which became the first book, Foundation. So before we go any further, we are not going to spoil the TV show, because we have only seen episodes one to four. I'm wondering whether you want to spoil anything further, because you've previously said to me you think it might ruin my enjoyment as well, a person who has not read Foundation. No, I, mean, I think we can kick, stay away from details of plot at this point for anyone who hasn't right. seen it. That's fine. Okay, so this is going to be spoiler-free, but I suppose you can jump in with anything where you think there's a difference between... The book mm. and the TV show. Okay. So, again, if you haven't watched Foundation yet, perhaps if you are put off because it looks very sci-fi, even though it has the gorgeous and wonderful and talented Lee Pace in it, Foundation seems to me to be a show about people, again, humans, question mark, who live in... I think they are. ...the yeah. future or another universe? No, I think they are. They Question mark, could I get any higher bits? I think they are. Um, or at least you're, you're invited to believe they are. And a character called Harry... Selden. Selden. I should know that because they say his name every five minutes in it. Who's played by Jared Harris, at least in episode one, has come up with a mathematical theory about the end of the universe mm. or the downfall of the empire De- the, it's about civilization so the, de- oh, da- da- the oh downfall the, of the, human. the end of civilization yeah, there you or, go. Another thing I or at least know. or at least <laughs> or at least a dark age shall we call it where basically all the people die. Well, people people regress technology regresses yeah. and everything else and at the moment in a really bizarre fashion lee pace is brother day and he ha- well Everything changes in Foundation, and we'll get to that. But purportedly, Lee Pace always plays Brother Day, who is the middle clone of the existing... the Sorry, the original ruler of the Empire, whatever all those planets are, who's called the Cleon. Cleon family? I don't know, yeah. not Klingon. The Cleons. The Cleons. A home yeah. with the Cleons, it's called. Cool. Yeah, and there are three normally clones of this original Cleon leader but there are different stages in their life and the idea being that if they keep that purity of cloning they will keep the empire together and there won't be a downfall of civilization then harry selden comes in and says tough luck 
your empire isn't working, which you can see from the show it isn't because it's sort of feudal in itself, isn't it? It is, but the the, the kind of point that Harry's making here is he's done his calculation. It's quite an interesting concept. Um, I, I, if, I, if I don't mind me saying, I, I love what they called it, his, his particular branch of science. They called it... Psychohistory. Psychohistory. I mean, psychohistory sounds like a book about Jeffrey Dahmer and Ted Bundy and a bunch of other people, doesn't it? Well, no, but, I think it sounds like a book about Michael Myers and Freddy. Uh, well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you mean you're going for the fictitious I'm psychos the and, I'm, and I'm going for the real ones, yeah. but anyway. Yeah. Um, and it, it, the, the concept is really that, that the science, the maths of psychohistory shows that your empire is going to collapse. That's all it really is. Yes. Um, but they don't really have reason to doubt it. All right, you might look at it and go, you know, they're clones of each other. Yeah, but, but if you're a, a, you know, effective king and someone comes to you and says the way you're doing things is bad and this whole king thing's going to go to pieces, you would shove them off to the yes, furthest would. planet you would. in the Especially if you're at the height of your power and nothing's really wrong at that particular yeah. moment, you'd say... You know, screw you, go to hell. But I don't want to spend too much time on that because then what happens in Foundation, again, as far as me, the uninitiated, can understand, is that Harry doesn't really play much more part of the story because... And I think it's because of these vignettes that you talked about, which was the the way that Isaac Asimov wrote it as chapters for what did you call it? Science. I think I think I it love was Science Weekly. Uh, amazing science fiction stories. I, I want to say. I think that's Actually, it. Actually, that sounds better than I thought. It, I, I would thought buy I that thinking, if I saw that uh, yeah. in a magazine shop. I'd buy it yeah. totally. Well, it's probably probably online. Who mm. knows? Uh, it becomes it. It kind of moves twenty years in the future, then another twenty years in the future, and then um. Am I 80 years in the future? And certainly at the beginning, I struggled with this in a way I did not struggle with June, which is that I couldn't work out what time period we were in because the problem with clones is that everybody looks the same no matter whether you're 100 years in the future. How, because how convenient. Hey? Yeah. Well, we get more pace, so I can't complain. Um, and then some, and, and lots and lots and lots of new characters come mm. on board and they potentially don't ever interact because they're probably 20 to 80 to what have you years apart. There is a great character and I cannot remember her name who is the AI robot assistant to the Empire. Oh, Did yes, you I can't. I don't remember, sorry. She, uh, I don't think they mentioned her name very much, but I want to say it sounds like Diana. Diana um, is an AI created within the very, very first, earliest Cleon Empire. And she is there as the mother figure, kind of, but also as an encyclopedia and as a historical reference. She kind of just, as a household manager, she does lots of things (laughs) for these three Empire members. But that's not even all the story, because at the moment, and I particularly enjoyed the last episode I saw, which was episode four, after we, we know that Harry and his fellow mathematicians are pushed off to go and be at the other end of the universe, and then you see people, which I think is 20 years later, mm, or maybe yeah. 40 years later, we don't know. They do get they do give time periods, but it was confusing for me. Uh, led by a character called S- Salvor, Salvor Harden, yeah, and Salvor, um, played by Leah Harvey. Uh, again, this is where I want to go into, was a man mm. in the book. I think in the book, by the way, yeah, they are... It. Was everyone a man except... Was the robot? Uh, I, you know, I, it's been a while since I've read it. I can't yeah. quite remember. What I do Honestly, remember... I thought I was bringing what, you on this What I do remember is that 
Salvor Hardin is effectively the mayor of this, you know. Well, she's called the warden. Mm. So I suppose yeah. maybe that's a similar yeah. role. But she's quite young and her parents are there. Mm. So she is on this, what's the planet called? Tr- not Tranton. Um, um, Terminus. Terminus, which I think is a great name for the, you know, it's a very Douglas Adams. That's the last, yeah. that's the last stop in the known universe. Uh, she she uh, lives on Terminus and kind of protects this pseudo-2001 metal obelisk mm. object. It's kind of more like a chevron, um, which no one actually knows what it's about. And you probably do know, but I certainly don't. And everybody who lives on Terminus is trying to enact uh, Harry's plan, which is, if all things happen, this dark age will be shorter or will come Yeah, I mean, in, in, in a nutshell, he, yeah. he, he's, 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 what he's really saying is, if we do nothing, if nothing happens, you're looking at a 30,000 year long or 25,000 year long dark age. Doesn't sound great. Doesn't sound great. If we do something, and I'm not going to tell you what that something is. Because um, <laughs> Harry Seldon's a right pain. Um I can reduce that. And I think he, I think he works out that it could be a thousand years. So There's still going to be a dark age, but a dark age that's only going to be a thousand years. A very interesting concept, which mm. is presumably they all have kind of human lifespans, except for the yes, clones. I think they do. Yes, that means that everybody who's doing something is trying to preserve their legacy and their future. It will not help them. No, yeah. some of them might be yeah. well dead anyway. Yeah, but it will not help their grandchildren. It will help yeah. their great-great-great-great-great-grandchildren. But all, all, all of which is factored in by Sel- in Selden's calculations. Yeah. Because he, although he cannot predict what, how individuals are going to act, he can predict generalised behaviour. Yes. So he, what, he, what he might say, for example, I don't think this is true, but he, he might say, well, I know people are going to act in self-interest. They're going to be greedy. And therefore, that factors into his and how he calculates things. Or more, he says something like, "Some religious leader is going to get annoyed yeah. and start making so he, a bit of fuss." So, so he, but he won't say which yeah, religious so, leader. But yeah, which is true because yeah, th- this is all based on Asimov, who was also a historian looking mm-hmm. back at human history and saying, "Well, the same things keep happening. We actually had more than one dark age, and you know, through each one, you get this happening and that happening, and there's a church or a religion of some description coming about." So. This is where this idea of, of human of, beings will always yeah. So, so you can act you can sort of way. predict it in generalized ways, yeah. but you just don't know how exactly it's going to manifest itself. Yeah. But again, maybe one of the issues with both June and Foundation is that twice now you've mentioned history, mm. and that that might be a drier concept. So you already have sci-fi generally as people thinking, oh, it's got science in it. Does that mean I'm going to have to think too hard? And secondly, you can also see that there's a lot of historical reference, whether it be royal royal feuding or political mm. issues. And I think ordinarily some people would turn off. However, I do believe that Game of Thrones, even though this is a fan, uh, Game of Thrones is a fantasy show, has opened the door for science fiction because I think there's a relationship between sci-fi. And fantasy. Oh yeah, definitely there is. Because also what's coming is Wheel of Time, which we're not going to talk about on this episode, but that is a fantasy show, which is, I, it feels like it fits also in the hard sci-fi genre. I don't know much mm. about it. We won't talk about it. Have you read Wheel of Time? No, I haven't. My dad's read uh, quite a few of them though. And again, yes. So again, drawn from a series of mm. novels. But back to Foundation, 
did you enjoy have you been enjoying this so far so because these are right. hour long episodes they are, so yeah. we've seen four hours so far which is almost so, twice the length of June so my concern before I saw a single minute of the TV show was I knew what Foundation was and I knew that it's effectively uh, a book of a, se- of a sequence of events that take place over very distinct mm-hmm. over, over quite disconnected time periods yeah that feature none of the same characters. Um, and it's slightly problematic. And I thought, well, hang on a minute. How can you expect an audience to invest in first two episodes, invest in this character here, and then they never appear again? And then episodes three, four, and five will be, you now you invest in this person, and then they disappear and never seen again. Can you expect an audience to do that? We won't know till the end how that's played out exactly. Um, I, I think already it's it's starting to be tricky um, if you look at a show like what came to mind immediately were medical shows but there are lots of other ones like legal shows as well perhaps er Grey's anatomy law and order all of those kind of shows ran for years and years still running and they have a kind of drama of the week so you have a core cast but then you have different people come in and out. And then sometimes those people mm. are just a medical case, mm. so they go. Or sometimes those people might be a new member of staff and then they become a series regular. I think that those shows can work because there is some continuity. But I believe that the showrunners of Foundation are aware of that. For example, a character called Gail, who also, I believe, was a man in the book. I think he was. Yeah, I think she was. Who's yeah. also a excellent mathematician and is in the When Harry Seldon is Alive part of Foundation. She has been narrating all of the episodes, even though the last time we saw her, I think was episode two. Mm. I don't think she was in episode mm. three. And I wonder if that's the kind of thing they're trying to keep continuity with because we liked her character and the, her character was focused on for <sighs> most of one and two. Mm. There's a lot of special ones as well, mm. just like June and, and Paul. You have two female characters who are considered the special ones. They're, they're only done so, though, because the gender was changed for the purposes of Foundation. But again, it makes no real difference, except in episode two, I believe, of Foundation, there's a, a pregnancy Mm. story and I don't believe that was in the books it wouldn't have been because it was a male character think so, no. yeah um, so they have tried it, to it, update it and they have tried to yeah, keep continuity they, they've what they've done is they've they've definitely dramatized certain things that really aren't all that dramatized <laughs> um in the books the, the Imperium in general, um, you know, the Empire, as, as it were. Is that, well, they're called the Imperium. Uh, I don't, actually, I think that's, they're, called, they're called the Imperium in June, aren't they? Maybe just called the oh. Empire. Just called well, Empire. here you go. Get um, our sci-fi terms. I, I don't believe that, uh, yes, there's, there's. I definitely recognised bits of it from episode one too, but I don't think you, you hear a lot more from the, the, the Emperors beyond that, <laughs> actually. Um, oh, that's a shame. No, don't tell me Lee Pace is going. Uh, well, well, evidently not, because he is... Still, He's been in every yes, single episode. And, 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 in so, so, so already, outfit. already, they're they're striving for that continuity. Okay. I can also tell you that what one of the characters um, who, who, won't, who we won't name really, all they really do is exist in the first sort of the first book, as it were, the first small sequence. Yeah, and that's it. They don't. They're not. They're not heard of or seen of again. Because but it, they have been heard yeah, and seen. And, in and, the yeah, yeah, and it's a bit. I'm okay. a bit kind of like. Okay, th- th- this is this is pure tv we need to give the audience something yeah. now i'll i'll let I'll, I'll let them go with that as, as in i as, very generous of you no as, as in as in i think 
Well, I just feel like th this is very, very difficult to adapt for that reason. Not because I think the subject matter is ridiculously complicated, but just because of the, this, this time frame that it's set over and the disconnect of all the characters makes it very difficult for anyone to sort of invest anything on it. It's not the sort of thing where you could sort of dive in and just watch an episode at all. No. You're really going to not understand what's going on. Would you call it hard oh, sci-fi? Oh, very. Like, it's like Diamond. So maybe hard sci-fi actually means difficult. Yeah. Well, no wonder people don't want to watch it. Um, I would say, absolutely, I have been more confused by Foundation than I ever was by June. But then, if you're making a TV show, particularly one that has mysteries... You are confused at the beginning. But the difference was, I, I wasn't that impressed with one and two, I would say, in terms of holding my attention. It, again, it looked absolutely stunning. There have been very few shows ever made that look as good as Foundation. Apple has so much money and it literally throws it at these shows. If you want to look at the morning show, absolutely nothing to do with sci-fi, but my God, it's the richest people ever. And, <laughs> like It's just stunning and also sickening foundation has this really great like mesh technology that it uses in terms of when people go into like cryogenic sleep or whatever and these are concepts of from alien you know mm. or, or something you know for, for me who's not reading all these books like i've seen these things before but i've never seen them yeah. done so beautifully yeah. but at the beginning i really felt like episode one thought that people had read the books yeah and i was quite annoyed by that and two because then two obviously jumps to different time periods and so you're like what about those people i've just learned about yeah. but by the time i got to four it was jumping back and forward and i thought they did an excellent job of me knowing when it was they didn't put any time period but i knew because of they put it in the text like for example lee pace's character is talking about an earlier version of himself so he looks to the actor who plays brother dusk is that what he's called mm, yeah. the later one who is effectively him in an earlier episode but i followed that completely yeah. because i'd now seen enough of them go through the cycle yeah you, you, you just have to keep your eye on which time frame you're in <laughs> that's all um and, and at some point we're going to jump forward again yeah. um and, and now I, I have to be honest with you yeah at, at that point as far as the books are concerned we really move out of like you know there's not a lot of Oh, human Dis interaction. Discussion of what happens to the Empire at this point. It's oh, really, really so just the about the just foundation. Yeah. <laughs> um, I feel like that's a bit of a spoiler. Well, but... well, it's significant because the whole reason for Asimov writing this was saying, right, well, I've looked at the history of the way civilizations form, and this is, I think, how you would do yeah. it. You do X, you do A, you do B, do you C, and D. So, um, and, and you don't really care too much about what the old order was. By the way, I mean, just on a side point to this, yeah. um, I, well, one of the things that I think is interesting is both Dune and Foundation both portray the far distant future in a slightly medieval kind of feudalism style yeah. structure with emperors and things yeah. like that. I read another podcast, I read, I listened to another podcast, and on that podcast, someone said they have all the technology of the future but all the politics yeah. of the past. Yeah, it is interesting. <laughs> but but I actually don't know of many science fiction universes that do portray a democracy in the future. It, it tends to be some form of um you know feudalism or 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 aristocracy or or even totalitarianism depending on, on what you're looking but, at but the difference is with game of thrones for example is that you believe that that is even if it's not in our universe you believe that's in the past they don't have computers and, and they're sort of and they're sort of 
driving the other way, or at least some of the people are. Well, they want to uh, cut everybody's head off if they're well, not they, awake. Well, they, they want to they <laughs> break, br- break the wheel, don't they, so that everyone's equal, even though that, well, didn't, that didn't really turn out well. Can we but, not talk about the yeah, but But it's interesting, that what they are striving for is that, whereas... Uh, as far as Asimov and Herbert are concerned, they were going to end up back in Middle Ages, actually. Do you think, though, that's because these books were written in the 40s and the 50s or 60s? It is the problem with this, bringing it up to date, is that it really does need to be up to date. I think, I think if you're... And how much can you change well, it? Well, what I'd say is, I think... Certainly Asimov was. I yeah. think Herbert was too. They are they are first and foremost historians. Mm-hmm. And what they're looking at, and they're saying, well, let's look at the last, you know, I've got 5,000 years worth of recorded history to go through here. How much of that has been democratic? Hardly any. So why do we think that the future is going to be any different to how it was in the past? I think, I think that's the idea. Well, that's depressing. Well, isn't no, it? but but if you're looking at it on a pure facts and numbers basis, you would say that. You... True, but they're talking about the far future. They're not talking yeah. about 2025. Yeah. yeah, but it's not like every nation in the world right now is democratic. No, but we're still quite backward, and certainly in some parts of the world, whether they're the Western world or, or not, I think we're still quite backward. Look at the Texas abortion law, for crying out loud. So. I do believe, though, that things in some countries, for example, some African countries or other countries in the world, are better now than they used to be. So even in our lifetime or in, you know, human lifetime, well, okay. things have improved. Well, let, let, me, let, me just, let me just draw this one for you, then. Right. Uh, okay. It, in 19... I don't know, let's call it 1929, we were, things were sort of looking up at this point. America was doing pretty... Oh, were you going to evoke no, but I, Hitler? Well, no, I'm just saying, America was looking pretty good. You know, yes. it, it, there was a lot of advancement. Technology, yeah. technology was advancing. Wealth was, seemed to be growing. Yeah. Europe was doing fairly well for itself as well. Um, yes, there were one or two issues yeah. in countries like Germany. But on the whole, people would say, right, the dark days are behind us, democracy all the way. And within 10 years, the, the entire world was at war and yeah. totalitarianism ruled, which just yeah. goes to show it doesn't go away. And all that, all that Herbert and, and Asimov are doing yeah. is saying, don't kid yourself, that will always exist. And, and, and there is a chance, a good yeah. chance, that it will prevail in the future. Yeah, and I think that, look at Trumpism, you know, mm. it is really, really current. However, the more we have this conversation, the more I'm getting bored. Mm. So what I'm saying <laughs> is, do, is that what we need? Is hard sci-fi talking too much about political machinations? I think what these. About... I, think, I just think these two happen to because it's fundamental to their plots. But I don't know if all of them do. But that's what we're talking about. Mm. These two. Mm. We need more kissing. There was some kissing in Foundation. We <laughs> need more kissing. Well, I'm, I, you think I'm being funny, but I'm actually is that, being is that serious. Solve the political situation. No, I just think if you want to bring more women to sci-fi, you change characters to make them more feminine with more female issues which uh-huh. is what foundation has done you also develop and this is for men as well but i still think that women feel put off you know i'm speaking for all women here because i represent all women ever right women are <laughs> women women are put off by something which feels like it might be talking about political history when really what they want is drama some women of my acquaintance will never watch game of thrones because they don't want the violence towards women and the aggression hang on but foundation and june don't really have that kind of violence and they seem to have these strong female characters for for want of a better trope and yet people might still be or women female viewers might be put off from watching them because they seem dry do you think that foundation is less dry than the book that you read or books uh, 
Dry meaning what in this sense? I don't... Not enough kissing. Not enough kissing. No, you heard uh, what I said. Drama. It's... No, I don't... I, I actually think they probably drama, dramaed it up a little bit yes. compared to the books. Me too. Um, um, but that's... Just, yeah, the book's just designed to be just sort of read as pure kind of here's the future and here's how we rebuild society type type situation. And unfortunately, whether you, whether you enjoy this sort of thing or not, the politics of the world created at the time in Foundation and in Jude are, are central to the plots so you kind of have they kind of have to be there yeah you've hit the heart of the matter which is these films these books were written a long time ago mm. and this new content has to be updated but still its core messages are out of date were they were they in date when they were written I don't know, but, but I don't think they're I mean, very 2021, which is why you have to have more people of colour in your cast. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. women having their issues. Make it more glamorous. Make it more pretty. And I think Foundation has Yeah, done okay. I, I mean, I think that those are relatively kind of easy changes to make. Um, they don't really affect the, the core of the, of, of the, of the plots or anything but like that. But still, Foundation is pretty dense. I'm going to still keep watching it because I really, really I actually, felt like... I actually think that... I really um, felt like the piece is fell into place by episode four. So we'll see how okay. it goes. I actually think Dune is denser than... Uh, the film? Than, than Foundation, yeah. Maybe there's a conversation to be had um, here about TV. Main, mainly because of the fucking words that, like, like, that they... <laughs> the Benny Gesserit. The Benny Gesserit The, the, the Kwisatz Haderach. And you're like, but oh my God, I'm never going to remember all this. What does yeah. this all mean? So in June, they kept saying, and were they saying the chosen one? Is that like the chosen one? Yeah, in a way. It, it, it's the result of this interbreeding program. Let's put it right, that way. Yeah. But Villeneuve, again, assumed that people knew or didn't care. I and think you knew and I didn't care. Well, here's the thing. That phrase is used, I think it's used once in the, Kwisatz Haderach is used once in the film. It's actually not really necessary. You don't really need to use it. It's something yeah. that Frank Herbert used, good for yeah. him. There are a number of... So it's a of, nod to you, Yeah, a but reader. now there are, I would argue there are quite, he had to, he had to cut things. There's no doubt he had to sort of, you know, swing the axe on certain things. And I think you have to give him sort of rope to do that yeah. because otherwise we're just it'll it will be like fucking pop up video with like messages everywhere explaining what everything is. Um, so that's also an ancient cultural reference. Yeah, if you didn't watch VH1 in the nineties, you're not even going to know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> so, in conclusion, Foundation and June, we do use the word dense. Quite often in this podcast. Uh, even, even, means, or even unwieldy at times is another word. Which isn't necessarily a selling point. You, you, the morning show isn't dense. Ted Lasso isn't dense. These they, are shows that people are they watching. They picked this stuff. They knew it was hard. Yeah. But I think that they have tried to make it easier. You've you got to appreciate the effort. You've got to say, God, they knew what they were getting into. They knew this material was going to be hard. And they went for it anyway. So... You know, you've got to give them credit for that. And I do think there is a larger portion of the audience nowadays that does want to have something a little bit more cerebral to think about. Lost is always the show that people talk about. That show was action-oriented, had love stories, definitely kissing, but also had this huge mystery box story where people didn't know what was going on. There was a polar bear on an island. Take your word for that. I only got like about halfway through series two. And yeah. then, and then but, I, I, but that was at one point, I think, the most popular show on TV for a period mm. and, and you know your mileage may vary on how good or bad it is across all seasons because I haven't seen every episode of it and I was a massive Lost fan and I still found that it lost yeah. its way I kind of 
lot um, w- was so keen for kind of two and a half three seasons then lost a bit and then came back again towards the end but that's that's also it had a mythology it didn't have hard sci-fi it had politics because there were all these warring nations on one island trying to I control think, yeah things. well here, here's the thing i i think i think you are right that lost is a, is a changing moment i also think game of thrones is a changing changing yeah. moment as well and i think it sparks and just bearing in mind like as i said right at the start of the podcast just what we've got going on here you've got multiple very very rich streaming services plus a bunch of film studios and there's a sort of dash for intellectual property right now so you <laughs> yeah. know you know I, I want, what haven't we made yeah, yeah what haven't we made quick we better get our hands on dune yeah. and foundation and and yeah. wheel of time so you, I, that's the reason why they're all getting made yeah. uh, uh, the witcher was another one is strangely yes, enough a it, show it, that we both like yeah. but again more fantasy yeah, than it, sci-fi it, yeah more fantasy than sci-fi yeah. but again it's it's a dash for yeah. for ip people love lord of the rings mm, people they, like yeah, absolutely exactly, adore lord of the rings exactly um, but a lot of these things are quite alienating to women, right? The Witcher, not so much. It has some very powerful witch characters. It focuses on Ciri, a character who, you know, is basically, again, the saviour of the universe within their fantasy realm. But again, it's about Henry Cavill's Witcher, the show. And the, the series two of that is coming out, I believe, November or Christmas or January. Mm. But uh, Lord of the Rings is very famous for having no passing of the Bechdel test in, like, Upwards of nine hours. Oh, at least nine hours. And I think if Lord Special of the Rings editions, was like remade 12. now, which guess what? Next year, the Sauron Lord of the Rings will be a woman. It'll be a woman's eye with some like mascara and oh. some makeup. Yeah, thank, that, thanks for that contribution to feminism. <laughs> Big eyelashes. <laughs> <laughs> she looks or, at Frodo's little, soul. Little Nas Sauron. Yeah. I like that. But but the, I bet you that the Lord of the Rings TV series. And it, and it it will be able to do this because it's a series on a you know week by week basis. Will definitely not be alienating to women. And what I found from watching Dune and watching Foundation, I would have watched both of them, even if I didn't know about there being a greater abundance of female characters, because I am interested in sci-fi. But what I'm trying to say in this podcast is that I want to bring more people into the genre mm-hmm. and also I believe that changing the gender and having female issues discussed has not in any way weakened either of the plots if anything it has added to something I think it doesn't matter is it what I think as in uh, well it doesn't matter as in doesn't change the plots at all so, yes. so therefore why I'm not, glad you why, clarified that so, we matter so, so, what, so why not do it is a, <laughs> is, a, is, a, is a fair point exactly but I also, I also think it, it hasn't been dumbed down. Yeah, it's I, 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 I wouldn't blame. I, I don't think it was a slur on Herbert or Asimov necessarily. It's just that they were we wrote these at different in different time periods. That's all. It I really think it's was. a slur. It's called patriarchy. Is it? But right, I just need okay. to mention that in every episode. And, and there's nothing. And you know, you, 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 <laughs> there's it's 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 just been updated um, without. And, and I don't think anything's lost. Absolutely not. No, and I think now there's money behind for gorgeous graphics, and I do think beautiful incarnations of what people are wearing and what their ceremonies are and the planets that people go to really helps to sell something yeah. although didn't really help that much with the star wars prequels but anyway nothing wrong with the star wars prequels. okay we beg to differ um i think that these shows are, are a good thing i don't know whether hard sci-fi will again dominate the cultural landscape i think this is a moment and then i think we will turn to fantasy again and then i think something else probably superhero or other franchise w- will come in i don't think 
we're quite ready for hard sci-fi being the monoculture but no, i do well, believe we live in a world where we all have mobile phones you know and it's, knowledge it's just it, it's it's there's a lot of airtime to fill on these on these on the, these on the streaming services so yeah. you might if you've got the money you might as well make them yeah. i also I, I have a feeling people may be a bit tired of slightly over the top and, and fractionally dumbed down kind of um Star Wars and MCU style films. I think it's been going on now for ten years. Yeah. And and now I'm not saying that we're we're looking at a permanent change here. It won't. Things go in cycles. You might end up with some very deep, hard sci-fi and and um, fantasy stuff. It won't last forever. They'll get bored of it. They always do. Yeah. And you'll move to something else. But um, you know, for the time being, it would be nice. Yeah. So it's good for you. But I think we agree that it's good for everybody. And that don't be put off by this. You should read read Foundation. uh, Okay, not going to happen. I might read a bit (laughs) of it because I'd just like to see. It's not even that long, you know. It's only a couple of hundred pages. Yeah, but then again, I'd rather watch a TV show. I'm like most people. Oh, God, you you millennials. (laughs) If only. So, in conclusion, we like June. We Mm -hmm. like Foundation. We enjoy the modernisation but it's still quite thought-provoking and that if you want to watch Big Brother or The Real Housewives, you're probably not going to <laughs> at least watch Foundation. You might watch June because you might want to see Timothy Chalamet but, and I think, Oscar Isaac. I think you fantastic. have to have, um, I would, at your heart, a kind of an interest in science fiction in some capacity um, to, to, be a, to, to be prepared to, to sit through it. Because it, it, it's not easy. It's actually hard work. But less hard work than it once was. Maybe. <laughs> we'll end on that note. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you.